Welcome to the podcast. My guest today is Claire McMullen, who is the vocations volunteer manager for the vocations office of the Archdiocese of Galveston, Houston. Uh, and prior to that, for seven years, she was a campus minister at the Newman Center for the University of Houston. First of all, Claire, welcome to the podcast. Hello, Stuart. Thank you. I'd like to have a conversation today uh, about something you you know very well, vocations and vocational discernment. You've been mm-hmm. not only working uh, for the Office of Vocations uh, for some time now, but you walked with um, young adults at the University of Houston as they sort of discern their vocation. Mm-hmm. And traditionally, when we talk talk about vocations there, I guess you could say two permanent vocations, a vocation to the married life. And then the second one is sort of lumped together, the vocation, the priesthood and the religious life, which are not exactly the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but and, and being single traditionally uh, is certainly a reality, but in the church, it's always been seen as a sort of a transition to the permanent vocation. Um, however, in the past few years, Uh, Among Catholics, there seemed to be a movement that wants to insist that being single should be understood as a permanent vocation like the others. Uh, There's certainly a lot of articles online, but even books have been published. I'm thinking of books like Redeeming Singleness, How the Storyline of Scripture Affirms the Single Life, or Mm. Singleness in the Church, A New Theology of Single Life, which was published by Oxford, and uh, the significance of singleness, a theological vision of the future of the church. Um, some say adding the, the single life as a permanent vocation to the Catholic vision is, a, is an authentic development of the way the church thinks about and lives vocation, while others say it's a, a corruption uh, in the understanding of who we are as created by God and what is our purpose. So that's kind of the uh, the discussion in the church, and I'd say the last 10 to 20 years. Uh, so let's jump uh, feet first into that con- uh, uh, conversation. Okay. Well, why don't we begin by defining our terms? So what do we sure. mean by vocations? So vocation, vocation comes from the word vocare, which is a call, and it's the, the call of God in our lives. And so what we as Catholics recognize is that we are created in God's image and he's created us with purpose uh, and uh, for a purpose. And so there's this uh, kind of these three levels of vocation. There's the universal call to holiness that everyone has the vocation to grow in holiness and to uh, pursue a life uh, of discipleship following the Lord. And uh, part of that is also evangelization. Uh, The second one would be the primary vocation, which is where kind of that conversation of, are you called to married life? Are you called to uh, a religious life? And so that would be more of kind of like the state of life. And then through the state of life, then we have uh, the secondary call. And for some people, that would be kind of maybe what they do is their occupation. But I would also kind of like to talk about that as being the, um, maybe in a personal apostolate, but how are you personally called in your unique way to bring uh, the love of Christ to where you go every day? So when we talk about vocations, we're not talking about your job or your career, what you do to to pay your bills, although there might be some overlap. We're talking sort of more of, uh, as you say, God's call to what do we do with our entire lives. Sure. I mean, when we talk about vocations, the conversation is more so of the second one, which is the state of life. Although 
<clears throat> even within the state of life, there is, or before someone discerns the state of life, I would say it's probably, it can be more common to discern the secondary vocation, if you will. So a word that I think both of us have used already is the word mm-hmm. discern, that we discern our vocation. So what does yeah. that mean? And how does one do this? Specifically, uh, how does one discern if they are called to the married life or the religious life, or in the case of this new argument, called to a permanent single life? So uh, discernment is to, I would say, connected to vocation is really to listen for the voice of God. And um, even there, there's kind of these this twofold definition or way that we're utilizing the word. And so there's discernment that is uh, maybe what you could say, uh, capital D discernment, and that would be more of, um, again, what is the, the primary vocation? What is, what is the Lord calling me to? But then there's also the importance of being people who continually strive to pray and listen to the voice of the Lord in their everyday life. So discernment, being a discerning person is very important. Uh, So listening to the voice of God, what is God calling me to in this situation? And so really when we we talk about the capital D discernment, uh, that is when someone uh, perhaps feels a nudge, maybe a young person on a college university or a university campus, or maybe even a professional um, starts experiencing a nudge in the sense of, you know, there's a, there's a call to something else. Um, you know, maybe I'm called to the priesthood or I'm called to religious life. Um, and so, uh, which for us would be a supernatural call. So, then how does that take place? Well, that takes place uh, within community, within relationship. And a lot of times that's where a spiritual director would come in to help guide someone in that process of they've been praying, listening to the Lord, helping them to listen to the Lord, praying with them and listening to the Lord on their behalf. So when you say listen to God's call or God's voice, uh, does that mean we should expect God to verbally talk to us? Uh, You did just mention (laughs) Um, you know, having a spiritual director help you sort of discern God's call, but uh, other than sort of God verbally speaking to us, what does it mean to 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 understand what he or 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 uh, discern what he's calling us to do? Sure. Uh, so um, when uh, so I am um, a spiritual director myself, and so when a directee comes in, that'll be something that we clarify. Is we often use use the language of what did God say to you, you know, uh, and when we say, say, um, it may, I mean, God can do whatever he wants. <laughs> if he wants to come and give you verbal, yes, this is what you do. Uh, then great. Uh, but normally that's not how he works. And so, uh, the Lord speaks to us. Uh, one of the main ways that we will use in spiritual direction, uh, is through scripture. And in the sense that that is the word it is, uh, And so it is the way that we hear the Lord, if you will. And so listening to him through scripture, what is he, what is standing out to us? Uh, um, And so a lot of times that would be kind of Alexio Divina. So in scripture, uh, he also uh, speaks to us in ways and movements of our heart uh, as what are we uh, drawn to? Um, What is our experience when we're around? So for example, if we are, if someone is discerning religious life, a woman is discerning religious life, um, what is common is to visit different convents. And so it is really important to stay in tune with 
what they're experiencing there. So there's a, this interior movement of how the Lord will speak to us through scripture, uh, through other people. Um, the Lord can speak through us through other people, confirming what it is that we're thinking or, um, you know, offering questions or, or guidance along the way. Um, as I mentioned earlier, there's a, a, a movement now to claim that the single life, uh, which has sort of traditionally been viewed as a transitional state, should be used as a, viewed as a, a permanent vocation, and then the church mm-hmm. has sort of embraced that. Uh, what is that argument or arguments uh, that some people are making, and, and why are they making that argument? Well, that's a good question. Um, <laughs> why are they making that argument? Uh, well, so in this in this case, I'd probably be speaking a little bit of from uh, what I've seen, if you will, or what I've read. Um, and so I think part of the reason why someone is making the argument that uh, single the, li- the single life should be seen as a vocation is that we do have a great number of men and women who are finding themselves in a situation to where they are single. And uh, I think that there can be um, a desire to want to, and this may be a little naive, but I think there can be a, a, a desire to make what we're doing holy or pleasing to the Lord. And so if, if we were to make it a vocation, then uh, maybe that kind of gives it, uh, legitimizes it a little bit. Um, and so I think that that can be part of it. This, you know, like, okay, so what do we do with all these singles? Uh, you know, and in a, in a very real way, many singles asking themselves, what do I do with myself? Where do I fit in? Um, in, you know, what is my vocation? If you talk about this primary vocation being, um, it, it seems rather, um, you know, that it's kind of twofold, if you will, of like, well, I can do this or I can do this, you know? And so I think that there is this, um, so we do have so many singles there because of our culture, we have uh, a prolonged single life because a lot of times people will uh, decide to wait uh, to enter into a relationship or enter into marriage, perhaps after they have reached a certain level in uh, of status or a certain place in, in their uh, career. Um, or they want to get certain things out of the way before they get married, before they settle down and get serious. Uh, um, and then also it, it can be just the, the process of really striving to find the right person. So I think part of this comes from this looking at what is going on and how to, how to define it or kind of, yeah, I think it does kind of come back to like, what do we do, you know, with, with these singles? And so I think that's where there's a specific conversation of looking at mm-hmm. singles um and trying to give it a vocation what's the the difference between a religious vocation and the vocation to the single life i think there are there are some similarities so one similarity is that obviously they, in both cases they're not getting married and right. and another is at least the presumption of chastity um so there 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 are some similarities between between those two vocations but how should we think about the differences? I mean, if you're a single person and mm-hmm. you're you're thinking you're not getting married and you're thinking, therefore, I'm going to live a life of chastity, um, you know, one one question is, well, not why not just go ahead and become 
uh, religious because they are so similar, that points to uh, there must be some thought that that there's a significant difference between those two vocations. So what, what, how would you articulate the difference between a religious vocation and a vocation to a single life? Sure. I, I'm wondering if this might... So you open up a couple of... <laughs> different areas of conversation sure. there. Uh, so one, I would say that it is important for us to look at when we're talking about the single life and we're talking about the conversation of is a single life a vocation, meaning is God calling someone to live single? Uh, and as you mentioned, uh, probably chaste or celibate, you know, for him. Um, and there. There are a couple of different, as, as there are with any conversation, there's a couple of different camps, if you will, in the sense of kind of like, well, uh, like there was that one article that was saying, you know, there's two types of singles, or they're willing or unwilling. And if they're willing, it's because they want to live their life and party and they like where they are. Or um, if they're unwilling, it's that they're in that state because they're kind of, they're striving, they, the desire is to get married, uh, but that has not worked out. Um, I would like to offer that, not all singles fit into either of those two categories, that it is possible to find uh, a single person who has not felt called. Um, and again, in the sense of like here, they haven't heard the voice of the Lord calling them to marriage. Um, and so then they're looking around and maybe there's a possibility that they have visited different convents or they different different orders then um they're also like there's not a fit because there has there has to be a fit there um and so they're they're like this is this is not where i'm called so maybe i am called to offer myself in this way in a single life so i'm gonna put a pin in that (laughs) The, the other piece is okay so the difference between um, you know, the vocation to a single life, if you will, and a vocation to uh, religious life is that there's there's a difference similarly to how a man could be called to the priesthood, and maybe they're called to diocesan priesthood, or they're called to a religious life. In both places, they're ordained, and both, both places, there is a process of, of formation, um, but you have, uh, I think it would come to charisms, you know, um, and, and where that man is called to. They could be called to a community uh, like the Dominicans, uh, where they, they do, they're men who do live in community. And that is what, that is a gift that they give to the world through their community, through um, their education and, and teaching and preaching. Uh, and then you have a diocesan priest who have the gift that they give to the world um, is uh, themselves and really caring particularly for a parish, which in a lot of ways we would say kind of becomes their personal family or their bride. Uh, so I think that the, the, the difference is uh, that it's almost as different as, you know, looking in a garden saying how are these flowers different? Like there, there's a uniqueness to what might, what we might look at as a, a call to the single life, if you will, versus a call to, um, religious life. Um, I think maybe it would be, um, in some, in some cases you do have, 
a right, although we do have a right for consecrated virgins. Uh, so it can get kind of layered <laughs> and complicated. Uh, but I think in some ways, a lot of times people would think of someone who is giving themselves or being called to a rel to religious life or called to a celibate life in the sense that they are giving of themselves, you know, they're making a gift of themselves to to the Lord by presenting themselves and kind of being available to the church. And I think that's kind of generally what is thought about. And we don't always think about that in a way um, that a single person could do that. To the, the specific question about should, should the Catholic church embrace uh, uh, the single life as a sort of permanent vocation, mm -hmm. uh, there are arguments out there. And, and in most cases, you know, there are strengths to arguments and there are weaknesses to arguments. So mm -hmm. when you consider the arguments that those those people make for having the single life as a as a permanent vocation, what would you say are the strengths and the weaknesses of those arguments? And then what would you say are the strengths and weaknesses of the arguments against having the single life as a permanent vocation? Uh, well, so the difficulty is here is that you... Um... I think in some ways, there's almost kind of a, we, ha we have to define or discern, you know, kind of figure out what the person who's making the argument, what do they mean by single life? You know, and I think that that is a really important piece to look at. Uh, and so, for example, in, in that article that I was referring to is, is that I, if someone is saying, oh, well, this is just people just perpetuating the single life and they're avoiding religious life, or they're avoiding a call to married life, then yeah, that would be, I would say, a strong, um, you know, um, argument that would speak against saying, no, we don't want to make, you know, the single life of vocation, because we don't want to encourage people to, um, to refuse a call of the Lord. Right. And we don't want to give in to that or allow a space. And I think that's where um, there is a fear, maybe, or a concern of people who are speaking against it is that uh, we don't want to legitimize someone's, um, you know, perpetuating their um, single lifestyle, you know, if, if you will. And there again, I think it kind of, in some ways, in some of the arguments, it kind of points to. Uh, what could be most negative in a single person's life. Um, and so I, I think that there, uh, there is that, um, that piece there. Um, one, one item that strikes me as uh, what could be in, in, you know, a plus side on for those who are saying, well, no, we should probably have a vocation to the single life is that within the church, we already have some, language or vocabulary or history, if you will, that kind of points to that there could possibly be a call to the single life. So what I mean is, uh, like I mentioned, the uh, consecrated virgin. So a consecrated virgin is someone who really basically consecrates themselves, and it, it's a relationship between the consecrated, um, relationship may not be the best word, um, a, a connection, if you will, the way that they serve is uh, to the bishop, to a diocese. Uh, and it's really by offering their prayers, but they have, uh, they take care of themselves, they work um, in the world, if you will. Um, but the, the commitment is there that they, and there is a right and a vow that they will, they 
uh, are they remain perpetual virgins, you know, uh, for for a particular. So because of that, that kind of does say like maybe there's something there. So like maybe there there could be something. And then we can also look at um, some saints. There are some saints who did not marry, nor were they taken into religious life. Um, Saint Kateri Tekawitha uh, is kind of honored as someone who has who took a vow of um, of perpetual virginity. Uh, there's Saint Demagogani who desired very strongly to become a sister with the Passionists, uh, but she was denied entry. She did not feel called to marriage. Uh, so uh, she lived her life basically being, I guess you could say like a third order uh, in a kind of a way uh, for the passionists and raising money for them and supporting them and wore um, that, that black symbol of the heart underneath her shirt. She didn't wear it publicly, but she wore it underneath her shirt. So I think that that kind of gives um, a place for a, do- a conversation at least to take, you know, in the sense of like, okay, there, there, there's something here. Um, so maybe there, you know, maybe there could be the possibility of a vocation, you know, the Lord could be calling someone to single life. To your point uh, uh, at the beginning of that answer, when you talk about uh, people sort of having a call and, and maybe they don't want to respond to that call because they want to perpetuate the life they've been living. Yeah. That reminds me of a, a comment that Benedict XVI made a few years ago when he was, uh, before he became emeritus, he was being interviewed by somebody and, and the person was asking about the sort of the drop in priestly vocations over the past few decades. And the question was something like, you know, is God calling fewer men to be priests? And Benedict was like, no, People are just choosing, you know, we have our own will and we can choose to ignore that. Right. In your experience as someone working in vocations and as a spiritual director, uh, I've often wondered, you know, is is there something in our time now where there might be, I mean, there's no statistics for this, but if there were, would we see a statistical increase in the number of people ignoring God's (laughs) call? Um, whether it's to the priesthood, as Benedict said, or, or just, you know, to the, even to the married life. So when you talk to young people and they're discerning, um, do you ever get the sense of, of, oh, well, we've got a problem in the church today. People are just, there's, there's rampant ignoring of, of their calling. I wouldn't say it's rampant ignoring, or uh, if I would say that it's rampant fear. <laughs> so um if, if you look at people, the young people who are um, in high school and college now, I mean, you, you're, we're probably um, a couple of generations from helicopter parents, but maybe even more so. Uh, so I think one of the difficulties is, I would say, in my uh, limited view, it would be that there's it's not only a fear of a vocation or what the Lord might be calling them to, but it's, there's a lot of fear and a um, kind of a dis- uh, disproportionately, how do I say that? Um, people have, have, a, have a lower capacity to make decisions. Mm. And I think it's also, so going back to kind of like this helicopter parents or, you know, you hear stories of parents taking their, uh, you know, 25 year old to an interview or something mm-hmm. like that, you know, and I think that 
because you have parents that strive to protect their children and there's nothing wrong with trying to protect your children. But when we try to protect our children from every difficulty, and then you also are, you wanna tell them what to do and control them, um, then, then what happens is you, you have a difficulty, you have kind of this culture of young people that find it difficult to make a decision. And so it's not, they, the fear is that they would make a wrong decision. And the fear is uh, also of what the Lord may be calling them to. Mm. And that makes it difficult to pray and it makes it difficult to listen. It reminds me that I, just a month or two ago, I was at the, the DMV getting a new driver's license, which is always a horrible experience, but mm. it's always good people watching. And um, <laughs> indeed, there were uh, a number of, I'm assuming there were 16 year olds there getting their first driver's license. And, you know, they were the, all with their mothers and their, I didn't see any fathers. And the, and the mothers were dealing with the, the DMV employees. And I remember thinking to myself, wow, if you can't deal with a DMV employee, maybe you shouldn't mm. be driving a car in public, which, you know, that's, that's always a, a physical danger. So yeah. not even being, I mean, nobody likes dealing with DMV employees and I'm sure they, <laughs> and I'm sure they don't like in dealing with us. God bless DMV employees. Yeah, amen to that. <laughs> amen to that. But the point is, uh, yeah. yeah, that, 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 um, that parenting style, I think, doesn't do anybody any good. I don't think so. And I think, too, Stuart, just to add to that really yeah. quickly, is that um, our culture as a whole doesn't really like to be told what to do. And so I think our culture, like in any age within our culture, you you might find it difficult to find a family or a couple or, or people who are actually discerning to make decisions. Uh, who are actually striving to say, um, I do want to hear what the Lord is telling me because he, because the Lord has oftentimes can have different plans than what we want. Um, and so I, that also is very difficult. So you have this kind of, and so then you, you have a young person who desires to be holy and really is desiring to do what the Lord is asking but there's this barrier to kind of, you know, kind of getting to that. And so it just, beca- it can become quite abstract to say, like, what do you mean the, the Lord is calling me? What is a vocation? How am I supposed to listen to the Lord and hear him? Um, because I've been told what to do all my life, or mm. um, I don't know that I want to hear what he has to say, mm. you know, and there's some saints who've said that too. <laughs> um Many of them, in fact. Yeah, it's true. Uh, in your experience uh, as a spiritual director and dealing in vocations, and how do you hear young people wrestling specifically with the question of the single life in concrete ways? So you, you talked about fear. You talked mm-hmm. about having parents dealing with issues for kids. You talk about um, not wanting to hear um, what God has to tell us. But but when they're wrestling with that specific question of the single life, what are the things that you're hearing young people wrestle with? Uh, so are you, are you asking, I just want to clarify, are you asking yeah. kind of the difficulty that they're having with being single or wanting to remain single? Uh, the latter. So uh, am I called to be single? Yeah. Um, am I called to marriage? Am I called to the priesthood? How do I think this through? How do I deal with those fears? I mean, right. there's nothing wrong with fears, you know, mm-hmm. if you're, especially if you're getting married or something, and this is, you're making a vow, you're committing yourself for the rest of your life. That's serious business and there should be at least an element of fear there right there's um 
so one of the things that we kind of talk about is that there's this, uh, there can be a sense of fear that can give us a little bit of um, adrenaline that can compel us and propel us to go ahead and go through with it, even though, you know, which may be kind of, um, you know, could, okay, so that could be cold feet, uh, you know, expected parents are probably very fearful as well, um, because it's, you know, almost kind of like you're in awe of what has been presented to you, and you want to do this well, mm-hmm. or at least not mess up this, this life or this person or um, not mess this up. But then I think, too, there's, there's also that, uh, that fear that can be um, debilitating, um, and so I think that what can come up most is the, it really is the, uh, a, almost like a debilitating fear of, uh, and it is mostly, I, I would say that mostly I hear from young people who um, do feel called to marriage. They see marriage as a good, and they do envision themselves of, as being married and specifically being married and having children. So marriage and family, you know, uh, but there again, there's this, the, the, the fear is like, how do I move forward into that place? Mm. You know, because I think too, within that is uh, a sense of surrender, a sense of letting go. How do we address that? Well, you know, that's where I think scripture and prayer come in very handy, receiving the sacraments regularly, um, and just asking for those, begging the Lord for those graces to be able to move forward and growing and, you know, um, in trust of him that he is good and he wants our greatest good and he loves us. Um, and I think sometimes it can be, uh, it, that can be a place where spiritual directors, where we can spend some time of like, who is God to you? Who do you see? You know, so that's really important because if God is the one who's calling, what does he look like? Mm. Is he someone who doesn't, who is going to make you do something you don't want to do? You know, is he um, a punisher? Is he, you know, and so that's really important. And sometimes that can be where the root of that fear comes in. And once that is addressed, then that is an opening for the Holy Spirit to move in. Uh, sort of related question. When, when you're dealing with young people, what do you see as some of the main struggles that they have in terms of, of, of discerning whatever their call is? So is it that they say, well, I'm expecting God's voice mm. audibly and I haven't gotten that. So therefore I don't know how to sort of read the tea leaves. Uh, or is it, do they, do they even say to you, uh, well, I, I'm discerning what God says and, 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 and wants from me, but I don't want that. And so they're going to run the other way. But so, <laughs> uh, or, or is it, a, or is there a blindness there? So when they think about the single life in particular, or just in general discerning, what are the, uh, what are the struggles that they have in, in doing that, of discerning that? I, th- so I think with each, <laughs> you know, with each directee or, you know, depending on the age of the person who is, who is attending spiritual direction. um, One of the, um, one of the things that comes up is, is people who are single, but desire to be married and have discerned religious life and have found that that's not where they're being called. And so they experience a call and, and definitely want to be married and have children, but there are really no any prospects. So part of that difficulty and, and 
is kind of the accepting of where they are, you know, and in accepting and just kind of um, uh, like a St. Francis de Sales, uh, like bloom where you're planted, you know, like that's where we can uh, emphasize that we are called to be holy. What do we do in this place? I mean, that's definitely, that's a, a waiting time that is marked in a, in, a, in a quite unique way. I hear God's voice calling me to this, but I don't see him putting a path to get to that. So that's where it's really important to have a spiritual director. It's really important to uh, leaning on the Lord experience or receiving the sacraments regularly uh, because we need the Eucharist in, in our, in our lives. And that supports us. That is the reason why we are called. So that is a, a place where really in, in a lot of this discernment, especially in those difficult areas, it, it's important really to make ourselves um, not, not, not just aware of, but open to and kind of um, present to uh, the crucified Christ in that sense of like, there's a suffering and there's a suffering in that, in that waiting and, and kind of being, you know, being there with him. Um, so I think in some ways is that the difficult, you know, going on in, in a discernment journey can be, can be joyful. It can be exciting. It can be interesting, but it also, it can also be very painful, mm. you know? And so I think that sometimes it can be just, you know, so there's that situation, but also this people thinking of like, I don't even know what the end is going to be. So how can I start this? Because this is going to be a crazy journey, mm. <laughs> you know, so not even really wanting to go through what is necessary to go through in order to, uh, you know, hear the Lord's call and, and, and to be able to respond to it in freedom and openly, you know, um, there's a lot of journeys that take place within this process of discernment. Back to our sort of main question about this push for the development of a, a single life as a permanent vocation. I'm going to, I'm going to put you on the spot here, Here we go. Uh, but then, but then later I'll, uh, I'll put my cards on the table. So okay. um, what do you as a vocations director think of this new claim? Uh, is it healthy or is it unhealthy or is it uh, a both? Is it the Catholic both and? <laughs> where do you land on this so i'm not a vocations director um uh, my role would be different um <laughs> vocations director can have a different say um so in working for vocations and being a spiritual director what i would say is that um i don't know that it needs to be i guess i guess i would say it's already there I'm laughing because I know you're okay. Um, <laughs> I would say in a sense, it's already there, but it needs to be better defined mm. on what a vocation to the single life is. Uh, it's, it's not, um, you know, so if someone were to come in for spiritual direction, you know, who been, who's been seeing me for spiritual direction and says, oh, I, I actually think I'm being called a single life. There's a lot of things that have to be flushed out, mm -hmm. right? We want to make sure that that person has come to that decision in freedom. What do they understand as what a, a vocation to spiritual life, I'm sorry, the single life is, mm -hmm. how they come to that conclusion. Are they afraid of marriage? Are they afraid of, you know, like clearing all of those things out? And I, so I think there needs to be a, a bit of a clarity of what it is to be a single person for the Lord. Um, and, and I think really where it comes to is, you know, why is this person single and are they making themselves, making a gift of themselves? Because it is possible what we do have in our church is that, I mean, because that's, that's really what vocation 
is, is that we are, are called to make a gift of ourselves, again, to a particular person or uh, to the church in some way that the Lord has called us to. So I think that it is, I think that there, there is, <clears throat> excuse me, a, a call to, um, there can be a call to vocation, or sorry, to the, um, a, a vocation to uh, the single life. Um, but I think it is rare. And um, I, th- I think that, um, and what I, what I hear coming from some of the people who say, no, 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 that's, um, that's not to, the way to go, <clears throat> is that it, especially to do that without, you know, some sort of right or some sort of um, particular grace that's coming from the church, just kind of do that on your own, where mm-hmm. holiness is very difficult to achieve on your own. And mm-hmm. I'm, you know, just in the particular mysterious way that the Lord has it, I don't think that we're actually supposed to do that, except for particular cases, excuse me, <clears throat> that he, he might be calling someone to that. Meaning when he calls someone to that, he's going to provide what is necessary. Mm-hmm. And so that's why I would say that, okay, I do recognize that, I, that it is possibly there, but I do think it is rare. And I think um, it would have to be like really fleshed out. I would want to know, you know, why not religious life or, or priesthood, you know, if they're not feeling called to, uh, to marriage, then um, because these are specific ways that the church already has laid out. Again, you have communities that help grow in holiness and they build the kingdom together. Um, a vocation to single life, um, you know, even, I know you had a hermit on here, even with a, a hermit, there, <laughs> yeah. there, there is a sense of isolation, Yeah, you know, within that. So at, at the beginning of your answer, you said you think we need a clear sort of definition of the single life. Uh, and, and what that means as a vocation. So if Pope Francis came to you and says, we're going to update the catechism again, and we need a catechism definition, and you're <laughs> going to give it to us, Claire, uh, uh, how wow. would you find that? What would, what would you put in the catechism? Well, actually, uh, he does refer to a vocation to the single life in Christus Vivat. I'm not trying to say, <laughs> um, you know, uh, I'm just saying um, that he does he does say that if you, I'm going to find it right here so that I can share that with you. But I, because I think that I would go off of something, I mean, I would go off of something that a, that a, a, a Pope already said, but those who, for those who are not called to marriage, because he is emphasizing to just to opt for marriage. He's like, just go get married. Um, <laughs> but if you don't feel called to marriage or the consecrated life, so he kind of gives this impression, mm-hmm. you know, so I'll say that again, for those who are not called to marriage or the consecrated life, it must be rem- always remembered that the first and most important vocation is a vocation we receive in baptism. Mm-hmm. And then he says, those who are single, if not by their own choice, can offer a particular witness to that vocation through their own path of personal growth. So this kind of indicates that there is something else. And I don't... Well, that certainly does indicate, you know, everybody is single, at least over the beginning of their lives, you know, for the right. 16, 18 years. Um, so it's certainly, you know, we should all single people should do exactly what Pope Francis just says. But I, I don't hear in that particular claim anything about a, a, a permanent call to do that. Mm, you don't. I, I do not. 
That's okay. Uh, so you're, you're welcome to convince me. <laughs> I think that they're just for the clarity. I think that it just needs to be um, that perhaps in the catechism there needs to be that piece of basically the way that we're going to go. You know, became sanctified basically to you know go go to our heavenly homeland is really to. Uh, to love the Lord and serve him and to do what he's asking us to. Right. Um, and, and so I, I think that that's, that's really important. And I think above all, <laughs> what needs to be clarified is, and I'm not answering your question, but above all, what needs to be clarified <laughs> is glad you recognize um, that, that, um, that we're, the, the call to holiness. I don't yeah. think that the call to holiness is, I mean, in, in all honesty, I don't think that the call to holiness is emphasized enough. Mm. Um, and, and, and really that's what, you know, so when uh, a young person comes to me and they're just like, I don't know what the Lord is calling me to do. I don't know to, you know, and, and that can really affect your daily life. Yeah. Well, you do know in a way, right. You know, that you're called to love, you know, that we're called to holiness we know ways to do that. He's given us the grace to be able to do that in our baptism. And so I would say that in a way, that's kind of like the default location. So that's what we go to. And that we, that's what we strive to live out. And in doing so, then we will find, you know, and hear his call um, into what he he's calling us to. Um, I do think that it is in, I do think that the church needs to respond to young people who feel called to marriage but do not have any prospects. I think that the church could do more, you know, towards that um, versus trying to, uh, or, you know, maybe offer ways to help those who say, well, I just want to stay single, <laughs> give them all with a spiritual director and let them <laughs> process through it. So, I mean, to answer your question, basically, um, I think that the, the call to the a vocation to single life is already there. Mm -hmm. um, and it's, it's already been issued, especially with the consecrated virgins. Um, but um, the point, the, the main thing is, is that we have to pray and listen to the Lord and, and be obedient to that. Mm -hmm. If we can't do that, then it really doesn't matter. Yeah. You know, I didn't answer it at all. That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's your homework, Claire. Okay. No, no. No homework. All right. That's not. That's how I, I. I. So you said that you were going to put your cards on the table. Yeah. Sure. So. Okay. Uh, yeah. I. I think this. This movement advocating for a permanent single life is antithetical to a Christian vision, uh, and frankly, is grounded in sort of American radical individualism. Right. Mm -hmm. I don't think these conversations. I mean, they may be happening in the West in general. Um, I don't think they're happening in Asia or Africa. And so why are they happening here in America? Um, you know, Christian vision insists that, and you mentioned this earlier, that we are gifts given by God, but we are not gifts to or for ourselves. We are gifts to be given away in love. And certainly I can love friends and love family and neighbors and strangers and enemies. Um, but a full self-emptying can only be done through marriage or the religious life. And ultimately, the permanent single person is one that is not a life of giving away oneself fully. Um, so you brought up, well, I think I brought up Pope Francis, but then you <laughs> quoted him. But I'm going to now bring up John Paul II. 
<laughs> his familiaris consortio. Yes. He has a, a section where he's talking about, he, he calls them virginity or chastity, but he's not saying, you know, just individual virgins or chaste people, but he says right. those people for the kingdom of God. So I think he's talking about, you know, monks, nuns, sisters, brothers, etc. cetera. Um, uh, and he says, um, um, here it is. Um, Quote, uh, in virginity or celibacy, the human being is awaiting, also in a bodily way, the eschatological marriage of Christ with the church, giving himself or herself completely to the church in the hope that Christ may give himself to the church in the full truth of eternal life. So, end quote. And so, you know, clearly he's talking about the religious life. You give yourself away fully. And of course, husbands and wives gives them away themselves away fully. I, I was just listening to a podcast last night, interviewing. Uh, uh, I think she's a cloistered nun, and the number of times that she talked about mo- her spiritual motherhood um, to a variety of people, but also as a bride of Christ. So coming back, and it was just sort of flowing out of her instinctively, talking about that that she sees herself. So using that imagery of of being yourself fully, including your sexuality, right? In her case, of Mm -hmm. course, it's, it's through the chastity of her sexuality. Um, But that's not what single, the the so-called single uh, permanent vocation is. You can give yourself away in love, um, but not fully to that extent. So um, that's, that's the nice way of putting it. (laughs) (laughs) So, so it is, how, how would you say it is different for a, single person if there were um, a single person who is his celibate how is that different um, as an offering Mm -hmm. than um, a person or a consecrated woman or a religious uh, woman who has taken a vow I haven't yeah I think that's a good question I haven't heard anybody articulate that well Um, and and I and I think that's a weakness in the literature of of not wanting to address that question of if i'm giving myself away fully that means my includes my sexuality mm-hmm. what and and it leads to exactly the question you're asking so i would say the inability to answer that question is a weakness in the argument for people who want to say yes to a single vocation right and i would say too that it then it makes i think for for both arguments if it will i i think it puts kind of a a linchpin if you will in both arguments um oh, honestly because then i i because again i think it goes back to clarification of like what are we what are we what are we talking about here um you know um meaning what are we talking about when it's a vocation to a single single life i think people have a different version or a different idea of what that might be and what that might look like um you know, and so I th- what may be uh, worthwhile for some people is to, you know, look up what does it mean to be uh, a, a consecrated virgin, as well as what does it mean to make a gift of yourself, not to make things, I know I'm making broad answers here, but not to make it too broad, but I, I, I do think that it does come back to, again, like a, a maybe as a whole misunderstanding what it means, means to make a gift of self. I don't know that a single person who finds themselves not in waiting, uh, you know, called to marriage and not in, in, a, in a waiting spot, if you will. So they're, they're not necessarily in a, um, 
a phase, um, but maybe, and maybe perhaps they have discerned uh, religious life and that's not necessarily a fit. Um, you know, I, I don't, I don't know that it is uh, a less than uh, an offering of themselves, you know, then. Why not? I mean, it, how, how would a permanent single person be fully giving themselves over to, um, because when we, when we talk about, you know, the, the hot button issue of contraception, mm. right, we talk about the sexual act and the sexual act, unitive and procreative. Right. And, and, and what is the problem with contraception is, it, among other things, it's not a fully giving of self to your spouse, right? You're, you're withholding something. You're withholding your fertility mm-hmm. to your spouse. And so mm-hmm. I, you know, uh, uh, want to trademark the term vocational contraception. I think that's what this single life thing is. You're, 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 you're through the act of the will, you are choosing not to fully give yourself away, just like you do when you use contraception. Boom. There it is. Boom. There it is. I'll, I'll put it on t-shirts and sell it and I'll be rich and famous. There you go. (laughs) Um, I do think that there are some people who experience that. Mm. Like, I I don't know that I would disagree with what you're saying, but I don't know that that it is, that that is true for all single people, that there's a refusal. I guess what I'm, Mm -hmm. I guess, you know, when when you say (laughs) vocational (laughs) contraception, that there is, you know, even in, you know, Okay, so there is a, a holding back, um, and I'm I'm not sure that all um, that all singles would would say that because mm-hmm. I think that there can be a way of giving yourself, um, and maybe this goes into a little bit of the secondary vocation, um, mm-hmm. but you know that there there are single teachers, mm-hmm. you know that give of themselves, um, out of, out of love. They love, um, yeah. the, the children or those who are in their classroom. Um, and sure, but the, there's a difference between a, a teacher who does love her students nine to five, well, nine to two. And then, you know, the mother who has to wake up at three in the morning when the, when the kid has a fever and is vomiting all over the place. Right. That's a, that's a, a, a sacrifice of, of love fully that the mother and father are making that the, the, the parent, the, the teacher is not called to do, right? If a, te- if a student gets sick in class, the teacher sends the kid away to the nurse and then the nurse calls the parents. So the, t- the, the teacher doesn't have to deal with that, right? So again, I'm not saying single people don't make sacrifices or aren't fully giving themselves in, or, or aren't giving themselves in love. I'm saying they're not fully giving themselves in love. And that's the, that's the through line. That's the connection between marriage as a vocation and the religious life. You're giving yourself away fully, just in a slightly different way. The husband and the wife give themselves fully to each other. The religious gives themselves to Christ and the church. To whom is the single person giving himself away fully? I don't think, I think the answer is nobody. So therefore, how could we ever say that that is the same thing? as the other two vocations. Well, I think I think you make a good uh, you make a valid point about that it is where wherever we are, whatever we are called to, it is important that we remember that we are called and getting giving ourselves uh to Christ. You know that that, that even within a marriage, Christ has to be the center of the marriage and uh we can't you know there again um uh, the crucified Christ has a place both within a marriage and as well as in um, a, 
a call to religious life uh, because there is um, the, the joy of the vocation as well as the difficulty of the vocation. Um, and that a lot of times that is part of that process of growing in, in holiness because as we, as we say, you know, that is the way that we're, that is the way that the Lord has called us uh, to go to heaven. And so there's going to be different ways that we are working that out. Um, so I think that it is important to, to ensure that we're doing what we're doing and what we're offering is uh, for Christ and, and, in, and through Christ and like maybe even connecting to his self gift and, and, you know, um, like maybe a canonic love. You you brought up earlier the the um, Second Vatican Council's universal call to holiness, and I, I want to come back to that because I'd said um, you know I think this claim that this argument for uh, the single life as a permanent vocation comes out of a sort of American individualism, and and mm-hmm. I I think that's true, but I also would say that it comes from misreading of this universal call to holiness, which as you know, prior to Vatican II, there was a sort of this two tiered system you know, that the, the real Catholics are, are those priests and religious mm. and, you know, the lady need to be good people, decent human beings. They need to be moral, but they don't have to sort of heroically strive for holiness that we don't all need to be saints that, you know, that's, that's the job of the, the priest and the nun. Mm-hmm. But then Vatican II says, no, we're all called to holiness. Uh, and I do think there is wisdom to Vatican II's insistent on that, but I've also, I've also been suspicious that those who are, calling for this permanent vocation are coming to that conclusion out of a misreading of Vatican II that, well, if we are all called to holiness, therefore, there's no difference between being a single person who's holy and a nun who is holy. Therefore, why not have a permanent vocation to the single life? I, mm. think, I think that's an element too. And I, and I think that's just a fundamental misreading of Vatican II. Um, so how do you think this idea of universal call of holiness plays into this discussion of permanent vocation to the single life? No, I think that you, I, I think that is, is part of it, uh, definitely. Um, and maybe there just kind of a, a lack of understanding or a lack of clarity of what it means, what is religious life? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what does it mean to live in community as well as kind of understanding how a, uh, a community uh, of women or men, they, their charism or the, you know, they, they, it has to be discerned that this charism, that this community is necessary for the church and that they have something to add to the church, mm-hmm. right? And so I think that there is just <clears throat> also kind of a lack of understanding of, of that uh, for someone to say, well, there's really no difference. It's like, well, those people are gifting the church in a very specific way. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and maybe it is a both and. <laughs> <laughs> because, right. And I think that sometimes it can be kind of complicated in some ways of saying like, well, okay, we're all called to be holy. Um, so, you know, why, why isn't there a, a difference? Well, you know, part of the difference is that you have um, in a community, you also have, or even as a, a priest, you have a role of life. Uh, there are, there are guides and instructions. And I think that that, again, that goes back to what I was saying of how it can be difficult. It is very difficult to achieve holiness on our own, mm-hmm. you know? And so, um, yeah, I think, I think you have a point there. 
Uh, final question. Uh, I always like to end on a note of hope. We are people of hope, specifically hope in the resurrection. Uh, when you think to the future and how young men and women will continue to discern how God is calling them, uh, what gives you hope in more and stronger Catholic families, more and stronger religious vocations, as well as just a, a clearer vision among Catholics about vocation in general? What gives you hope? Young people who uh, strive and struggle for holiness is sometimes difficult to watch because you don't want to watch someone suffer or, you know, to have difficulty, but um, it is, it brings me hope because I, I think even in that they're pointing to something greater, they're pointing to Christ um, and, and in that willingness to take on that struggle. So even though there's, um, I think they just live that out really, really well sometimes because they don't know they're still trying to figure out who they are. They're still trying to, you know, make it to class on time, um, but they're making it to daily mass or they're, they're striving to make time for prayer. Um, they may be sleeping through half of it, but they're <laughs> striving to make time from prayer. And so I, that gives me hope um, because they are striving to live out their faith and, and connect to the Lord as well as, uh, you know, meeting and spending time with the seminarians. Um, I don't often get to spend as much time as I would like to for, for various reasons with, for, for women who are um, postulants or spending time with religious, uh, you know, the religious uh, community. Uh, but I do get to spend some, uh, some time uh, and get to, to meet with and talk to the seminarians. And so meeting them and being able to spend time with them um, and, and hearing why they are uh, where they are and how they are striving to continue to uh, to listen to the Lord um, is is very hopeful and and very life giving. Claire, thank you so much for this conversation. I really enjoyed it. Thank you. <laughs>